0: welcome back everybody to the market knowledge podcast we're talking to life science ceos founders and influencers and today we've got another very special guest head of life sciences at connect taryn good is here taryn how are you
1: hi bob doing well thank you it's uh, tough to follow karen on this podcast <laughs> but uh, i'm i'm a fan and i'm excited to be here
0: Well, we have had some really great guests uh, over the past few weeks and you're another one of them. So I really appreciate you being here today. Um, I do want to hear all about Connect and your work in the life science industry, but first, uh, well, let's set it up a
1: little bit. Tell me about yourself and
0: uh, your role at Connect.
1: Sure. So let me start with the, the role at Connect. And it's exciting because it's a brand new position that was created thanks to the generosity of the Conrad Prebys Foundation. So it's truly influential uh, man and family in San Diego. Connect was awarded a grant. I titled it, Bench to Bedside at the Beach. So essentially summing up what we're, the good work we're trying to do in San Diego. And this grant enabled me to come on board and support Uh, Connect as a 35-year-old nonprofit that originally spun out of UCSD that traditionally helped companies in more like 60% tech, 40% life science. So I get to come in and really emphasize, support our work in the life science research and development space. And that means we're really at the intersection of founders and access to capital. So we're really supporting early stage life science innovators in their need find that next step to get them from seed to pre seed, you know, to Series A, and we do that with support from grants and the Small Business Development Association and the like, the state and the city and the county. So Connect is deeply invested in the economic development for the region, and that's also an essential part of my work because it's so critical. Uh, to San Diego as a whole, right? We're we're all about tourism and the military and then innovation. And life science is a huge driver of that. So I'm in this sort of unique space where uh, this is a new position, a newly created role, but I just get to reemphasize something that Connect has already been doing and hopefully even more solidify our place in the life science community by supporting these early stage life science entrepreneurs, have them grow, Provide education, resources, support, mentorship, and then eventually they're going to raise that next round um, and bring those therapies to patients uh, that we so that we so desperately need.
0: Well, Taryn, I know you have a background in the lab. You know, as as a scientist, um, how did you get to San Diego? First of all, and then make that transition from you know working at the bench there as a scientist and this as more of a consulting type of a role?
1: I pointed my car west from Las Cruces, New Mexico and kept driving for 10 hours until I got to the ocean. That's when I got here. <laughs> it happens that um, way sometimes. It does, it was the best, it was the best uh, place because I was not gonna stop in uh, Arizona, that was for sure. Uh, but no, I, my uh, undergrad training was at New Mexico State University And I had grown up uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, My parents were both originally from uh, New York City, mom from Brooklyn, dad from the Bronx, but they had actually met um, at a hippie commune in Placidas, New Mexico, northern New Mexico, and then settled out there and always sort of emphasized. Wait, wait, hold hold on. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Did you say a hippie commune in New Mexico? yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't even
0: know if I actually know exactly what that is. but
1: um. I, I could see the pictures. I, I still have some back in the day. Uh, it was basically a bunch of folks raising goats, uh, having a garden, uh, trying to, I think, live off the land in some ways and support each other. They were all from different backgrounds. My dad had served in Vietnam, had just come back from that. Uh, so it was kind of getting like re- introduced, you know, into society. And my mom had just driven cross country, was looking for something different. So it was sort of this compound where they were uh, just, yeah, supporting each other. Like my dad, that was his role, he was raising goats. Um, and they were just figuring things out as, as young kids. And I guess it was a good enough experience that they, they certainly did leave the hippie commune, uh, but they didn't ever wanna leave New Mexico.
0: <laughs> but, I'm <laughs> sorry, go on with the story, but I just, I had to point that out. That's a, you know kind of a
1: unique um, story to tell right there. It is. I always love it. And I do love that there's some photos that exist. Um, so it's, it's, it's always fun to share. Um, but even if, you know, we didn't have sort of much growing up, but my parents had always emphasized the value of education. And my mother was the first woman in her family to earn a college degree that really inspired me to keep studying, keep working. And as an undergrad, thought maybe you would go to med school. I I, I think I passed out in a recovery room when my sister was getting surgery and I decided maybe that path wasn't for me. Still Mm -hmm. wanted to pursue something that could help me support patients, go into research and development. So got my undergrad uh, in biochemistry. And one of the first job offers that I ended up getting out of college was at Scripps Research Institute in San Diego. So that's how I was able to make that uh, transition out here. I, I started working for a young PI who was uh, brand new, moved down from San Francisco. We worked on sodium channels in the peripheral nervous system. Uh, his name was Arden Patiputian and last year his work was awarded the, the Nobel Prize. So it's fun to look back 22 years ago and, and see the foundations when he took a chance on me as his first technician, Um, and yeah, ever since, you know, it's still, we're both still here in San Diego doing this work. Wow.
0: Fantastic. And so then you get into, um, the lab space, you're working as in, in labs. Um, tell me about that experience. And then again, that, that transition into working at J labs and, and, and some, what of a consulting role and then to what you're doing now.
1: Loved working at the bench, learned a ton just from all the scientists that I got exposed to uh, throughout the course of my career, right? You get to work with postdocs and other PIs and all those uh, teachers that I had were invaluable to learning different techniques and learning how to speak the language of research. There are days when I miss the, the peacefulness of sitting in a cell culture hood um, for hours because it's uh, the cells, you, you sort of always have control over how that's going to work. Essentially, I did want to keep uh, growing and uh, learning, and I was was good at the organizational part in laboratories, and I think that's what drew me towards operations and being able to support folks in a team because I could speak the language of the lab, understood the science, and also was good at sort of herding the cats and doing the organizational work behind it. So that helped my transition into operations, and the opportunity at J&J really got me involved in those early stage entrepreneurs. So those were folks who their companies were almost like little academic labs that I had grown up and and trained in, but I was there this time to really support their growth uh, from these, you know, tiny details about how you set up equipment uh, to like the bigger questions of training and getting settled. And I think that's where I really got passionate about uh, innovation and life science entrepreneurs and started learning about that journey of uh, growing a company and all the the roller coaster of uh, of events that surrounds
0: it. You know, some of the companies that are in the incubator systems, J and others, I mean, they go from really small to exploding in growth in, in just a matter of a couple of years. Sometimes, uh, you were probably in the front lines of, of some of that.
1: We were, and it was super rewarding the team that I was with at at J-Labs, we've always felt like we were a part of their team also. So yeah, we would see them come in, you know, two to three people, we could take a photo in this empty lab and then be part of that growth of, you know, hiring folks, needing to meet the milestones, get this amazing science um, started. And that was really the rewarding part of being in the incubator because we had that infrastructure and we could help provide it to them so that they could just focus on that science and that research part. And I really enjoyed doing that. I love being able to support that work so they could just run with it in whatever specialty they they were working on. And also it was just kind of providing the community. You know, we had the infrastructure, we had the equipment and then we had that sort of shareable neighborhood associate, you know, like feeling. So You could walk next door to a lab and someone might be working on something completely different but you could chat with them about the challenges um, or just, you know, borrow a reagent from them. So part of creating that was super rewarding and just being a part of each one of those companies journey because they're all very unique was just, it was a great learning experience for me and a very rewarding thing to be a part of.
0: When you were doing that and even now, uh, but when you're talking to these CEOs and founders of these companies that are are in these incubators, uh, is there a, a theme to their concerns or challenges? You know, were they thinking like, what was keeping them up at night when they would say, Taryn, I just, you know, I'm so concerned about, or I'm thinking about this all the time. Who do I talk to?
1: It's such a, yeah, it's an important question. And again, every company is so unique. What I did see is the, just the struggle to communicate this amazing idea or therapy that for example, was being spun out of UCSD. Right. And so you've got this small group, this team of folks How do you communicate that to the broader community and how do you communicate it to VCs? So the big struggle sometimes was finding that right team or the right person who could take the time to be that sort of forward facing spokesman uh, for the company and still understand enough of the science to be able to truly uh, communicate the need, the problem they were solving um, you know, how much they were asking for. And that's a really unique and special position that not all the companies had right off the bat. So, you know, it may just come down to finding the right combination of people, but also trying to grow and meet those milestones and get the data all at the same time, right? So I think it's that, it's being able to do the good work and communicate it to be able to raise the funds and do this all at once while you're trying to grow and scale a company.
0: Good stuff. And, and now you're at Connect. Tell me a little bit yeah. about that transition. And did, did you envision yourself going into a role like this?
1: I did. I, I loved my experience at J&J and still work really closely with the team there. This actually felt a, like a very natural transition for me, working with those companies during those early stages. We would host VCs, we would do investor days, and I was always sort of fascinated about how that worked, what the investors were looking for, uh, how to really design the story correctly. And that piece is what I wanted to learn more of. And when this opportunity came up, that drive to keep learning my curiosity, uh, this transition to connect really gave me that opportunity. And what's wonderful, and I think it's really special about the San Diego community is that the, the goal, you know, stays the same. The, that quote that I had been exposed to at J&J so often was that the, the patients are waiting. And I still keep that front and center at Connect with the folks that I'm working with. And in making that tr- transition, I can still refer folks back to experts, you know, at J&J or maybe if J Labs is right for them. And now I'm more embedded in the San Diego community also as a whole. I think in operations and in eh my role there, was very uh, reactive in the sense that that was just the nature of the position, meaning right, you're always responded to a freezer alarm and you've got to always be thoughtful about EHS. With this role, I get to be much more strategic where I'm positioned again in the county, um, working with so many different uh, community partners and different founders. So it really felt like a natural transition for my own personal growth and development and for me to contribute more to this sort of unique special space that uh, we have in San Diego.
0: And I imagine you're meeting with a lot of founders, CEOs of, of life science companies, and then everybody in, in the VC world, really that, that whole community or ecosystem. So how, how has that experience been for you?
1: It's so fun. I'm learning a ton. Um, It's, you know, I get to see a lot of uh, decks and listen to a lot of executive summaries. So, again, what Connects Work does is we're sort of vetting CEOs, but at the same time, we're vetting VCs, Mm. right? And we want to set up these sort of curated, thoughtful introductions when folks are ready. And I learn a lot from those conversations at both ends, but Connect is allowed to be agnostic, which I think also puts us at a special place in the community, in that, you know, we're we're not taking any equity or investing in these companies. And we're really just out to get the right VC's attention in San Diego. So I'm sort of uniquely positioned in the life science space uh, to be able to work with these founders and especially, especially appreciate those who are open to, to feedback as they're on this journey. Now, the truth is not everyone is ready for VC, uh, ready for, you know, raising capital. So it's been also good to remind those in that, on that journey to, of the, you know, non-diluted sources of funding and the SBIR grants, all the other sort of alternatives out there that can help bridge the path to later stage, you know, the, that seed, that series A funding. So, and I hope that with my background, I can... I can bring some of that support and also support those founders to others in the community that can help with the mentorship and the advising. So it's really the the Connect name is is super apt. That's really what we want to do. Connect those folks to the help and support in the community that's there. And people, again, are so collaborative and they want to be a part of that. They want to be a part of their journey and see those early stage entrepreneurs succeed.
0: As things slow down a little bit, and then there's fear of more slowdown in, in the life science industry and, and funding, uh, is yeah. that making things, those connections harder for you?
1: Certainly it, you know, I think there's a lot of doom and gloom in the headlines. However, the, yeah, the conversations may be a little harder. We What we found is that things are just taking longer. So due diligence is taking longer, right? The term sheets, um, taking longer to get to. However, there is the there's this term uh, like there's a lot of dry powder, right? So we're actually mm-hmm. still having the conversations. The funds maybe just aren't being deployed just yet. Okay. And I feel like even behind the the headlines, there's still a lot of interest from the VCS. They may just be a little more strategic in their thinking. We're doing a little bit of maybe a reset from the high highs of the you know market right. in 2020, 2021. And so the evaluations are perhaps just taking a little longer. However, there's still a lot of great focus in San Diego. We're gonna have a lot of VCs coming in from out of town next week for a, a venture summit. Um, and I think it's just a matter of sort of pacing ourselves through this downturn. And then again, just reminding the founders of other alternatives to help bridge this gap. Um, even today, there, the headline just came in that California is awarding a small business um, sort of grant and support for the entire state. So there's $1.1 billion kind of going back into the California ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a special fund set up just to increase the uh, diverse and more inclusive VCs. And I think this was just announced this morning. So it's like $200 million just for California and hopefully do a lot more like homegrown VCs. So this is good news today. And I'm, I'm encouraged by, again, these alternative sources of funding and support that will hopefully bridge this gap and maybe we'll start seeing another upturn in, in 2023.
0: Yeah, Taryn, this is great stuff. Uh, last question, and this is something that I've been asking everybody lately um, because it's—I just—I I get so much out of it. I think other people do too. What are you reading right now, or maybe listening to, that is uh, really making an impact in your life?
1: I love this question so much, and I could talk about this for hours because I read all the time. Uh, <laughs> have my Kindle app and. The most influential book that I've just finished was Walter Isaacson's profile of Jennifer Doudna and the CRISPR revolution. So it's called the code breaker. And I think if I get the subtitle, subtitle right, it's Jennifer Doudna, uh, gene editing and the future of the human race. Mm-hmm. So it's, it might seem like an intimidating title. It's such a great profile of a scientist, of a story of everything that sort of had to go right and wrong. Um, for a lab to be sort of at the forefront of the gene editing uh, revolution, and there's you know little details like Jennifer Doudna, she transitioned out of academia for a while, and then she came back, and I you know I didn't know this, and there's these personal stories about the scientists at the bench, and uh, of course i I love learning about that, and then it, Walter Isaacson manages to make an IP battle actually seem compelling. So if you want to learn more about what the the CRISPR world is like and and what it means, uh, you know, and what it meant during the pandemic, highly recommend it. And then I'm always reading two books. I'm a big nerd at heart. I'm a geek. Uh, I'm always going to be reading some sort of fantasy novel. And right now I'm just going back to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien, sort of the inspiration for Rings of Power. Uh, but my dad grew up reading Lord of the Rings to me, and Silmarillion is this beautiful prequel with this lyrical writing, and it's uh, it's just a, a beautiful escape. There's amazing songs. There's a whole language that Tolkien created, so that's my uh, that's my go-to when I just want to have that escape and relax before before diving into all this good work.
0: Love it, Taryn. Thanks so much for sharing today. Uh, really appreciate you, you being with me and I'm, I'll put your information. And then I think also the books on, on the website as well. So everybody can get a chance to look at those. And again, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it.
1: Truly a pleasure. Can't wait to keep listening.
0: Yep. Talk to you real soon. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Bob.